2: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, May 21st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show...
1: I have every intention of fixing our problems. Our prison system is broken, but we are doing everything we can to repair it.
2: The governor announces his nominees for corrections and public safety leadership. Then, casinos reopen their doors today. We look at how the two-month shutdown impacted Mississippi's gaming industry and what patrons can expect when they return. Plus, in our book club, the photographs of a Neshoba County woman that illuminate the galvanizing events of the Jim Crow era in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition. Governor Tate Reeves is nominating new chiefs for the state's corrections and public safety agencies. Reeves announced the nominations during his daily press briefing yesterday. The first term governor inherited a prison crisis that came to a fever pitch late last year as violence spread through the system. Reeves addressed the crisis, saying the crisis highlighted the systemic problems within the Department of Corrections.
1: After the election, but before I assumed office, Mississippi was rocked by violent riots in our prison. Five inmates died violently in a single week, and some escaped in the chaos. It was personally horrifying for me and many others across this state and across this country. I personally visited Parchment and other prisons throughout our system. This put a spotlight on our systemic problems at the Department of Corrections. It was a major national story i said from the beginning i have no intention of hiding our problems i have every intention of fixing our problems our prison system is broken but we are doing everything we can to repair it
2: before introducing his pick for the new commissioner of corrections reeves suggested that many of the department's problems were the result of poor leadership
1: i've also said from the beginning that more than just funding or politics or anything else, Mississippi's prison system had a leadership crisis. We have asked a trusted, diverse group of experts to conduct a nationwide search, to provide me with a recommendation for a permanent solution to our leadership crisis. Two gentlemen who are at the table today, Mayor George Flaggs and Judge Sean Tyndall, were there that day, I asked them to lead the search. They went through a rigorous process. There were many voices in the room throughout that process. There were those on the right and those on the left, and there were those in the middle. I gave them a simple task. (laughs) I simply said, go find me the best possible person to lead the Department of Corrections, not the best possible person In Jackson, not the best possible person in Mississippi. I asked them to find me the best possible person in America.
2: The best possible person in the eyes of Reeves and the committee is Burl Kane, the former warden of Louisiana's Angola prison. Reeves says he chose Kane based on his record of reform at the Louisiana prison.
1: Angola was once known as the bloodiest prison in America, it was racked with violence and it failed the staff, the inmates, and the citizens who relied on it to provide justice. Then, a man named Burl Kane entered the picture. He brought faith, security, safety, dignity, and pride to the prison. They went from beatings to Bible studies. He transformed America's bloodiest prison into the model of success for the nation. Inmates who were previously on lockdowns for fear of violence were now working productive jobs, handling power tools, and moving freely throughout the grounds. They were able to accomplish this by treating even the most violent criminals as human beings who are capable of reform and deserving of respect. He has brought that success story to the world. He is a nationally cited expert in the conversation around corrections. He has brought faith-based programs to the country, in his job interview with us, he raised the need to treat all prisoners with the dignity and respect that they have earned as men and women created in the image of a loving God. I believe that Burl Kane can bring hope to the inmates that are struggling. Time and time again, that was imp- that was expressed as a sincere goal. He assures me he will ensure that the integrity of our system is upheld. I believe he will make Mississippi. Proud.
2: Kane thanked the governor and laid out a basic plan to reform Mississippi prisons, beginning with his four essential components.
0: Promised to do a great job to 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 help the Department of Corrections and to do the four components is essential to have a good prison, that's good food, good play good praying, good playing and good medicine. We're gonna have those four components and that's gonna make our that's gonna balance it out and so I look forward to the challenge, I look forward to the job and to make lead Mississippi to have a great system. And I thank you, Governor, for the faith and confidence to appoint me as the Commissioner of Corrections.
2: Kane left his position in Angola prison amid accusations of side business dealings, misspent funds, and wrongful use of labor by prison employees. When reporters in Jackson asked about his record, he responded, it's clean. Reeves says he and the search committee were aware of the allegations and he has no reservations over his pick.
0: I think what's important is that that those allegations were unfounded, that there was uh, no crimes committed, and so what we have to do is avoid the hint of impropriety. We will continue to do that, and I've done that throughout my career. And uh, you're going to get investigations. It's going to happen. We need that. That's good. But uh, it was unfounded as far as any wrongdoing, any ethics violations, or what have you.
1: What I would tell you is um, that, that the search committee was aware of uh... the accusations i was personally aware of the accusations we did extensive research and it seemed like that once the the politics were removed uh... that the accusations were basically dropped and i have absolute full confidence in Burl kane's ability to change the culture at the mississippi department of corrections uh... i have the absolute confidence that he will um, do so in a, in a way that will make all Mississippians proud. I have zero reservations about appointing him to lead the Department of Corrections.
2: For a more in-depth profile on Burl Kane, tune in to Mississippi Edition tomorrow. We will be joined by Maya Lau and Gordon Russell, two reporters at The Advocate during Kane's later years as warden of the Angola State Prison. Governor Reeves is also nominating Mississippi Court of Appeals Judge Sean Tyndall of Gulfport as the new Public Safety Commissioner. Tyndall says his first 90 days in office will help him lay the foundation for the direction of the department. Over my first
0: 90 days of the department, I will do a, an overall assessment, meeting with all of the troopers, the different divisions within the department, central office leadership, and others to determine what the top priorities are at the department I also intend to meet with local law enforcement and prosecutors to hear their concerns and gather their input and of course immediate priority of mine will be to work on improving the delays and problems we've seen and uh, witnessed with the issuance of driver's license uh, through the department
2: the state senate must confirm both nominees before they take office Health professionals across the state are continuing their efforts to fight the spread of the coronavirus through widespread testing. The Community Health Center Association of Mississippi is announcing its drive through testing to uh, drive through testing today at three locations, one in Batesville, one in Cleveland and the senator's place uh, at the senator's place and another in seminary at the Seminary Family Health Center. Testing will be available until two o'clock in all locations and do not require pre-screening or appointment. The State Health Department is also continuing to work with UMMC to provide additional one day collection sites. One site will be available tomorrow in Simpson County at the Simpson County Livestock Arena in Mendenhall. Anyone can be tested who is experiencing COVID 19 symptoms, including fever, cough, shortness of breath, or sore throat, or who has a known or potential exposure to someone confirmed with the virus. Those who want to be tested must first get an appointment by going through a free screening from a UMMC clinician, either through the C Spire Health telehealth app or by phone. Coming up, casinos reopened their doors today. We look at how the two-month shutdown impacted Mississippi's gambling industry and what patrons can expect when they return. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of Auto Correct. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, Auto Correct. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi casinos on the Gulf Coast and along the Mississippi River from Natchez to Tunica have been shuttered for two months, dealing an economic blow to casino workers and associated businesses. Over 20,000 workers statewide have been furloughed and the shuttered gambling halls have cost the state valued tax revenue. But that could change today as casinos reopen their doors. Larry Gregory is the executive director of the Mississippi Gaming and Hospitality Association. He joins us to explain the impact of the shutdown on the gaming industry and what patrons can expect when they return.
3: We we are a $2.2 billion revenue uh, uh, industry that was what it was last year when we had a full year and about 260 million dollars annually that goes to the state uh, of farms so you know those are huge numbers i mean the employees and the gaming revenue and uh and then we saw over 24 million visitors visiting our state most of them headed into a casino uh, sometime or other, and then you're looking at hotel stays, you're looking at food, restaurants, you're looking at gas and all the ancillary businesses, they then the shopping, and uh, so it's been a huge impact uh, since March 16th uh, when we closed our doors. Uh,
2: Casinos weren't ordered to close by executive order, but they did. Can you tell us a little behind uh, what was behind that decision, the process behind that?
3: Well. We, along like other businesses, knew uh, our day was coming and uh, we saw the restaurants closing and all of the hair salons and such, and we knew uh, we better prepare for that. Uh, That we did. We started uh, preparing procedures that we would do to uh, ensure uh, safety and the health of our customers if we did open up and we turned those over to the Gaming Commission. They are our regulatory body that oversees us as an industry. Um, and once they received, uh, they they started compiling what they thought were good procedures to open this up. And that went up to the governor's office. He has, as you know, a medical staff that insures uh, uh, businesses, adheres to certain factors. And they came up with what they thought we uh, could do in order to open up. And uh, so we, we felt pretty strongly that we could meet that level. Um, and so we started to uh, begin those procedures a week or so ago uh, in order for uh, us to be ready to be open uh, Thursday morning.
2: Now, we know that the health department has recommendations about cleanliness. The governor has uh, issued uh guidance in reopening does the mississippi gaming and hospitality association also have its own list of guidelines for reopening
3: no we don't we have to adhere to what the state uh, health officer has given us and they have given us a list of uh things to do uh in our casino from um, uh, coming in the door and placing signage and to to uh, be placed all around the casinos. Uh, that includes face masks for all employees. Uh, we're going to encourage all guests, of course, to wear face masks. Uh, there can be no entertainment, nothing with any huge gatherings at all. So all that is out. Our entertainment that is a big portion of our industry will no longer be until uh, later, and, uh, you know, we'll close Ports of our casino each night for a deep cleaning. That is mandated, so we will do that. And then just in the basic operations of our casino, the slots, the table games, the slots have to be strategically placed to observe the social distancing, uh, disinfectants on all of the slot machines for people to uh, wash their hands, and table games, uh, seating appropriately, uh, the space and to provide that social distancing there. Of course, the will be there. And so, you, will
2: be you may really. have only two people at a table to, to maintain that six foot distance? No, there'll
3: they'll, they'll be one, uh, there'll be three. There'll be one on the far end, one in the middle, and one on the other end.
2: And what about the craps tables?
3: Well, the ta- uh, there's a limited amount of people there. I think there's four. I cannot remember the exact number. I believe it's four for uh, per, per craps table and and the dice have to be clean on each roll and uh, because you could imagine people touching or blowing the dice that's a habit that gamblers do and so we're very cognizant of that so they will be clean on each roll.
2: What would you like to tell people? I mean, you've just told us how steps are being taken to make sure that it's it'll be clean and safe, but what will you tell people who are still reluctant? to come back, to come out of their homes, for, for one, but to go back to the casinos?
3: Well, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty uh, in, in today's environment. Uh, we have a smarter guest uh, that, that, you know, they're doing, they're watching television just like I am and like a lot of other Mississippians, and uh, I think this is the first step, you know, the toe in the water, you know, to see how warm it is, and let's, should I go any further? And I think, uh, you know, once they go in and they see, uh, and I, I've been there. Our, our, our team members have been working here the last week or so getting it ready. And uh, anyone knows our industry knows that we uh, are, we do it right. Uh, we have a lot of, of guests, a lot of employees we're responsible for and uh, this is not something we're going to second-guess or so, kind of skirt around or circumvent the rules. I mean, we treat it seriously. You know, our state leadership has put that burden on us to ensure the safety and the health of, of these employees and our guests and to welcome them back, and, and we're, we're going to meet that. And I, I think it will not take long for our guests to see that uh, we've done it right and they can feel confident. Uh, uh, coming back into a
2: casino. Larry Gregory is the executive director of the Mississippi Gaming and Hospitality Association. Larry, thank you so much. You're welcome. Coming up in our book club, the photographs of a Neshoba County woman that illuminate the galvanizing events of the Jim Crow era in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, "Eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Few may remember Florence Mars, a white woman in Mississippi who picked up a camera to depict the Jim Crow era. It was the murder of three civil rights workers in Neshoba County, her county, that motivated her. A hundred of her photographs, most taken in the decade between 1954 and 1964, are included in the book Mississippi Witness, the photographs of Florence Mars. Co-editor James Campbell tells us about his conversations with Mars, who died in 2006.
4: She told me that in 1954, when the Brown v. Board decision came and she saw the reaction that it provoked, she realized that the world she'd grown up with, this kind of rural black and white world of Neshoba County, was about to change. So she bought herself a camera, built a homemade darkroom in an upstairs hallway, and started to take thousands of pictures, determined to document this rural order that she knew was about to disappear. After the murders happened in 1964, part of what made them so notorious nationally was not just the fact that two of the victims were white, but it was also the way in which so many people in Neshoba County contrived to live down to every northern stereotype about white recalcitrants. They refused to cooperate with the FBI. They heckled people searching for the bodies. They assaulted journalists who were covering the case. Very few people in the town were willing to speak out and condemn the murderers. Even people who certainly knew and believed that what had happened was wrong. And Florence Mars was just one of the few who did. She cooperated with the FBI. She spoke with community leaders, urging them to speak out. She testified in a federal trial that exposed the vicious treatment of local black people by authorities. And ultimately, she paid a price for that.
2: It seems that there are those direct on photos, primarily of the African Americans, but the pictures of white people seem to be taken without them knowing about it.
4: I think there certainly are some candid photos in the collection. And I think you're right. More of those photos are of white people. And it's interesting to speculate why she was able, it seems, to develop a kind of bond of trust and intimacy with the black people that she was photographing, whereas many of the photos of white people do have a more fugitive cast, as if somehow they're less comfortable being photographed. I don't know. I mean, probably 80% or more of the photos in the book are of black Mississippians. But that's a very good observation. I think more of the white photographs have a fugitive aspect.
2: There was one that I just really can't shake. And that was of a black man in black face, seemingly entertaining four white men. He's got that big white clown makeup around his mouth. It just comes across as very degrading and then white men are smiling and laughing at him.
4: There's a history here. Blackface is the premier form of popular entertainment in the United States for most of the 19th century. And the performers who undertake it are not just white people, but black people. The last touring blackface minstrel troupe in the United States is a Mississippi-based troupe called the Rabbit's Foot Minstrels. They're founded in the early 20th century, and they tour through the 1950s. And the performers and the owners of the troupe are black.
2: What historical perspective is most significant, do you think, from this book? Part of
4: what I found very moving about the book is just the way in which it reminds us not only of the kind of extraordinary human capacity for dignity and for living lives of meaning and purpose, even in contexts of utter oppression, because the, the people in her photographs, they're living in circumstances of great poverty and violence, but they're also people of such transparent dignity and strength and resiliency. And I think that's, in some ways, the most compelling message of the entire book, There's a photo in the collection that haunts me. It's a photo of a black woman, clearly a domestic worker, bathing a small, naked white child who's standing in a galvanized bucket on a porch. And Mars printed that photo over and over. And on the back of one of them, she had penciled a caption, certain things are seen to be self-evident. In other words, this is part of the world that I live in that most people never trouble to see. And I think her questions ask us to wonder what is self-evident in our own world? What are we choosing not to see? And what are the consequences if we trouble to see?
2: James T. Campbell is the co-editor with Elaine Owens and the author of the introductory essay for Mississippi Witness, the photographs of Florence Mars. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much for having me.